morning. Welcome to all you joining us online too. Uh, we're going to talk this morning, first of all, about what we're doing in this Advent series. Our, our big theme is rejoice. You're probably figuring that out. Um, I noticed before Thanksgiving that a lot of people have been putting up the Christmas lights already. How about you? I think there's just this desire and need to find something to be rejoicing about, something to be happy about. We live in uh, uh, these times that are kind of distress, uh, stressful, yeah, and just when you think you get a handle on something, it seems like it changes. It's like a moving target, right? Especially with this pandemic thing, you know, it just keeps mutating. And every time they think they have a handle on it, all of a sudden there's this new variant or something to deal with. And not only that, but the issues around it mutate. You, you following what I'm saying? At first it's, can we even be meeting together? And then social distancing, and then masks and shots, and now they're talking about mandates. And the issues keep mutating around the whole thing, too. And I don't know about you, it's exhausting after a while if that's what you focused on. And I think this season God wants us to focus on being joyful, rejoicing folk. And I think we just went through a holiday that's incredibly important for us to understand if we're going to be people who truly rejoice. And that's Thanksgiving. Sometimes Thanksgiving to me is like the forgotten holiday, although the meal's never forgotten, amen, it's a great meal. But you just kind of blow through it, never think of its implications. Really, um, rejoicing is built on the foundation of gratefulness. And so I, I just want to give you kind of a general flavor of what we're trying to do for the next few weeks of Advent, and that's to just really center on um, rejoicing. And I have some scripture I'm going to read to you because I think it will help us uh, to kind of get at what I'm, I'm saying to you. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. Listen to this scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So I think the goal for this Advent season for us should be this. Think about that which is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. I think we need to make a purposeful effort to be thankful and to think on those things that are edifying to our souls. Amen? And it's not that I'm saying ignore the issues that are going on in our life. We can have input into those issues. They don't define us. They don't define our countenance. They don't define our trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, um, whether you go to the video booth and do this out loud in front of everybody, just do it. Spend some time thinking of the ways that you should be thankful and rejoice in Christ this season. So... Now we're going to do, go into the message for today. Okay, are you all right with me? That was just like a little bit of an overall viewpoint. What I'm going to say now has nothing to do with what I just shared with you, kind of. I'm just going to switch topics. Are you all right with that? So I'm just going to explain it so you know what I'm doing. Um, a while back at Grace Point, we went through a series where we talked about the Bible as being one big story. It's not the old and the new. It's, it's one story, and it's all about Jesus Christ. And so for this Advent season, we're going to use Isaiah, Old Testament scripture, uh, to really talk about Christ and the implications of Christ's arrival on this planet. 
the Old Testament has a lot to share, uh, a lot of insight to share on Jesus and, and what Jesus means to uh, humanity. So we're going to use uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7, as kind of our main text for the next several weeks. And so I'm going to read that to you this morning, and I'm going to zoom in on verse 2, 2, as the scripture that I'm going to focus on for today's message. So listen to this scripture. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So the big thought for today's message is taken from verse 2, like I said, and it's simply this. A great light, that's a reference to Jesus Christ, has come on the land of deep darkness. So a light has come on the land. You ever have to deal with deep darkness? Anybody here ever been in some place where it's so dark you can't hardly see anything? We've gone through uh, several of those cave tours that the Norby clan has where you get down there way under the ground, go through the caves. And I distinctly remember on one of those tours, they turn the lights out when you're way down there in the cave. It's dark. I mean, you can't see anything. There's no light at all. And I remember thinking at that time, If it was this dark in here and they left the lights off, I don't think I could get back out. I would have no idea what direction to go. I would flail about. I would be lost. I wouldn't understand the direction I should take. And most likely, I would think, we got to do something, amen? So I'll just start moving. Anybody like that? And probably I would be going in the wrong direction and thinking, well, at least I'm making some progress, amen? Deep darkness implies lost with no understanding of what direction to go in life. Deep darkness implies there's a lostness. It's just people are lost. But that means there's a lack of understanding of what life is about and what direction I should take in my life. Now, darkness is frustrating. Um, It's disorienting. And it's also easy to get lost in. Without Jesus, people do life in darkness. That's what we're being told here, in deep darkness. They don't understand what life is about. It's disorienting. And oftentimes we think, I'm making progress. I'm going, I'm doing some things, I'm getting some things accomplished. But it's like being in that cave. You may be going the wrong direction entirely or you should be going in your life. And I, I, I'd say this uh, to you as Christ followers, to you who have received Jesus Christ. We frequently make a grave error in our life. We live two different kinds of lives. We take a part of our life and live as though it's secular. And we take a part of our life and live as though it's spiritual. And I'm going to just say this with all the kindness I can muster today. If you're choosing to live part of your life just totally secularly, then you're living in darkness. 
It's rudderless. It's not going to have the right direction. You're going to feel disoriented and you're going to feel, why am I doing this? But if you begin to understand that everything in your life is supposed to come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's anointing that thing, no matter what you're doing, right? There should be a direction of following hard after Jesus. Isaiah says, those walking in, in darkness have seen a great light. He didn't say they've seen a little light. It's kind of a dim light. If you look really hard, you can see the light. Isaiah says, it's a great light. I have one of these headlamps. Anybody familiar with these? Some of you are, right? I remember the first time seeing one of these. Matt Douglas was up at my cabin place up north, and it was evening, and he comes walking out with one of these on. And I tell you the truth, I just laughed at him. But then I thought, oh, that's kind of handy. Because you can just put it on your your head, right? And walk around and see things. And um, I don't know if you've ever had one of these. I'm going to shine it at you. They're supposed to have sure shut the lights down by now, so if you guys want to set the lights down, you can a little bit. I think I was supposed to cue them, but I never know from service. I just make this up as I go. But these are, these are LED lights, right? So now what you're getting is a little bit of my experience every Sunday morning. Because I have all these lights. I remember someone was sitting up in the balcony saying, why don't you ever look at the balcony? This is why. Right here. Are you getting it? Here, where are you at the balcony? I want to shine it on you guys. So you understand, this is annoying to look up at you. It hurts my eyes. Anyway, I'm just whining. Don't pay attention to me. But this is illustrative of of Christ. He's a bright light that's come into the deep, dark world. It's not a little light. Sorry, I didn't mean to shine on the baby. Chad's protecting the baby. I know. Don't don't hurt me, Chad. Um, At any rate, he's a great light. And he's still a great light that shines in the darkness. Uh, One thing about darkness, when a light shines in it, you can just see the light a long way away. And that's what Isaiah's saying. When Jesus comes, which he's come, he'll be a light that shines a long way. In fact, you kind of have to look away from it um, if you don't want to see it. Now, I like the comparison of Jesus to light personally, partly because it brings out the nerdiness in me. Um, there are several models for, for light. Light's kind of mysterious. Physical light now I'm talking about. It's kind of mysterious. And there's several models uh, uh, that are used to try to explain how light works. First of all, there's the wave model. That lights look like a wave, like a sound wave. It goes up and down. It has an amplitude. It has frequency. It has velocity. And what's interesting, if you notice this thing when I turn it on, it, first of all, it comes on red. Red has a, a different kind of waveform than yellow or green light or white light. In fact, if you're outside and you want to not wreck your night vision, that's why this thing has red lights on it. Your eyes stay adjusted then to the darkness and you can still, you can take the, turn the light off and see. Um, so light is modeled as this waveform, right? There's, there's, there, you know, light is explained by multiple models and, and Jesus coming as light has multiple meanings. And so the first model we see here of light is a waveform. The second one can be described by a ray form, R-A-Y form, ray form or vector form. Um, this little uh, laser pointer it's great for illustrating a ray form. It's a very straight light, and it acts like a ray going in one direction. And what's interesting is if you take something like this, like a little prism, right? You know what this is, like three-sided glass piece, right? And if you shine the light like this on the, if I can get it to work. Don't look at the laser. They always tell me I'm looking at the laser. 
So if you go like that, it's gone, right? And, and if I wanted to get it to shine over here back on the thing, I come from the side here and I can turn it around until I, I figure, there it is, see? It, and and it, it refracts through the, through the prism. And you can't explain that by the waveform. You have to use the ray form, okay? And so light's kind, of, uh, light's kind of mysterious. It has different ways that it can be modeled. And then there's one last way it can be modeled. And it can be viewed as a particle form. It's looked at as little energy pieces that are like particles. It's called the photon model. It's, it's light, it's full of this energy, and it's a, a particle model. So there's more than one way. There's multiple ways of describing how light works. Amen? In quantum mechanics, I love the quantum mechanics, just I love using that, that language, um, then says light can be described as particles with a given amount of energy, and these light packets of energy are called um, photons. So, which model should we use? All three. Right? Does that bother you? I remember when I first learned some of this stuff in science, I thought, huh, which model should you use? All three, because they all three apply at times. Um, they are equally relevant. One model does not preclude the conclusions that can be drawn from another model. So I, I find it interesting that Jesus is called the light because there's really multiple in, uh, implications to him being labeled with that title, the light of Christ. It, it, he comes and there's multiple, uh, you know, things that that, that, that that title implies to us. So let's look at some of the multiple meanings that Jesus is the light. This is really what I'm trying to get after. First of all, Jesus is the great light, right? That displaces darkness, in ancient biblical times, as well as in our time, there are two great lights that really interact with our world. The sun and the what? Moon. Everything else is pretty distant. Um, Jesus came as this great light, this obvious light, uh, and to take us and lead us from darkness and sin and death to salvation and life in him by trusting in him through faith. And this is a brilliant light. It shines in the darkness, and it displaces the darkness. It, it dispatches the darkness. It gets rid of the darkness. Um, you, have to, you, have to, you have to ignore it. You have to ignore this brilliant light, right? If I don't want to see this thing, I have to do this, right? Now, I don't know about you, but have you noticed how all the new trucks and cars have this as a headlight? Yes. Super bright. Does that bother you? Yes. Yes. Amen. So at least I should get an amen on about that. And I, I go down the road and I say to Vicky, I try not to say it too much because she says I whine, but I said, shouldn't that be against the law? I mean, these are brighter than brights. And they're on their, and I'll flash my brights in them, then they'll turn the brights and I go, oh, you know, I'm blinded by the light. The things are terrible, right? And, and you know, that to me, that's Jesus in our world. It's a bright light. And to not see that light, you have to what? Shield yourself from the light. When we're going for a walk late at night, which we do now because we have no little kids and we have time and night walking is fun, amen? Car will come by, you go, ah, because you can't see anything, right? You what? Shield. You know that most of the world has done that to the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.19 says it this way. Jesus, the light, has come into the world 
But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. They don't want to be in the light of Christ. As the light of a noonday is brilliant, so the light of Christ is brilliant. It illuminates, it makes known things that formerly were not known. It's a revealing agent. Ephesians 5.13 says, Everything is exposed by the light. Everything's made visible by the light of Christ. In Jesus, in things that we formerly didn't understand, we now know about ourselves. We know that the problem is sin. We know that the devil has, is sowing discord. We know we've been taken captive by vain philosophies of, of the world. We thought that momentary pleasures would be satisfying, and in the light of Christ, we find out they're not satisfying. We didn't realize that really the core problem of all humanity is sin. And we wouldn't know that until the light of Christ shows up in our lives. Um, you know, with the light of Christ, all of a sudden you begin to think differently. Instead of trying to, you know, store up treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy, we begin to say, oh, I need to store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not destroy. And we learn to diminish as Christ increases. We learn the, 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 the equation of doing life entirely uh, differently. We find our identity in Jesus Christ, he, you know, as beloved son or daughter. And most of us, I think in the world, before we know Jesus Christ, have an identity issue going on. Amen. We don't know who we are. Don't you see that in the world of darkness right now? People don't know who they are. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, I won't even go there. I'm going to stop. Sometimes you just need to stop and not say things. Anyway, Jesus is, takes us from this deep darkness to seeing life as it really is. And I just love this descriptor of Jesus as a great light. Let's continue on with this light thing about Jesus. Point number two, if you're taking notes. Jesus is the light that offers spiritual direction. Listen to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I love this phrase here. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That word life there in Greek is the word zoe, Z-O-E, zoe, and it means in him was life in the spirit and soul, life forevermore. That's what's being said here, and Jesus is the light, the direction that takes us to eternal life. That's what's being said here. Jesus plainly said it. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so he's a direction to light. He's like the ray model. He's like the ray model of physical light. He's a vector. He takes us in a direction we ought to go. We need to follow hard after him. Um, you know what? Anointed by the Holy Spirit... When we're anointed by the Holy Spirit, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the teachings of Jesus Christ become what? The ray model life for us. They set our direction and the way we ought to go in our life and, and take us in a, in a, in a life-giving direction. Listen to Romans 13, 12. We just talked about this here a few weeks ago. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness Put on the armor of light. 
This, to me, is a huge application uh, of this second point. We're to put on the armor of light of Christ by embracing and practicing the ways of Jesus. This is more than just reading some scripture and say, ah, to do this. There's this soul and, uh, and spirit interaction that's supposed to take place. So, for instance, an example I thought of would be this. If you really want to begin to follow Jesus as the way you ought to go, you read the Beatitudes differently then. You look at Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. You know, um, Sermon on the Mount and all that kind of thing is the label given to the scripture. But you read it entirely differently. And, and, and you read it interactively. And you read it something like this when, when Christ says, blessed are the meek. You stop. Meek means my strength under God's control. That's what meek means. It's not weak, it's meek. It means I put all my talents, all my abilities, all my thoughts, all my desires, all my ambitions, I put them under the control of Jesus Christ. Well, when you're reading that, if you're going to read it in the light of Jesus Christ and realizing he's the light, he wants to set the direction for your, your life, you read it like this. I go, oh, God, set, set my heart right here. May my ambitions and my strengths all be under your control, used for your good and for the furtherance of your kingdom. You begin to have this kind of dialogue, amen, with Jesus. It's very different when you begin to be controlled by the light of Jesus Christ, all right? I've been, I'm going to move on. I've been fascinated for a long time in my life about energy and some of that, being a mechanical engineering student when I was young and practicing that discipline for multiple years. Um, I've been fascinated by the photon model of light, that light is, you know, these the source of great energy, and we know that, right? You go out in the sun, what happens in the middle of the summer here, especially to you fair-skinned uh, fair fair folk? What does the sun do to you? It burns you, doesn't it? Makes you brilliant red. Um, I have a solar panel here. Vicki and I got this for a Christmas gift from our kids a few years back, and we use it when we go camping, and um, it works on the photon model of light, physical light. So it, light comes and these little photons hit this solar cell material. And what does it do? It excites it. Yeah, like you all are right now. Super excited to be hearing this. It excites the material. Like it's all excited. And excited material releases electrons. And electrons flow and you got electricity. And that's super simple explanation of how our solar cell works, all right? But it, it, it's explained by the photon model best. And um, we use this when we go camping. And wherever you go, you just plug this baby in and you got it charging up your batteries and you have electricity as long as there is sun. Trust me, when you have two days of cloudiness, you have no electricity. So it only works as long as there is sun. But I want to talk to you for a few moments about this energy side of the light of Christ. And I'm covering this because it tries to produce and uh, electricity even in here. And I don't have it hooked up to anything. <laughs> so I don't want it to just sit there. and I don't know what it'll do. So anyway, um, so I want to talk to you about this part of the Holy Spirit and this part of the light of Christ, this energy part, this photon part. It's hard to put into words, but this title of Jesus goes beyond simply 
another way of saying we ought to obey Jesus. You know, walking in the light, a lot of people say, well, walk, walk in the light means I, I obey Jesus and I follow hard after him and all that. Yeah, that's all there. He sets our direction for life uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but this, this, this energy side is, is something more. This light of Jesus is something more. Um, if you read scripture with a ear tuned in to seeing how often God manifests himself in light, it's, it's fascinating. When God met with Moses, and after he would give uh, Moses some attention face to face, Moses would come back to people on his face with glow. So much so that he wore, the, wore a veil uh, so that people wouldn't see the glory diminishing in him. And then when God appears to the shepherds in the field, what happens? A great light shone around them, and they were what? Ah, terrified. I'd be terrified too, wouldn't you? Sitting out there watching some sheep, and all of a sudden there's this brilliant light there showing around. That'd be terrifying, amen? And then Jesus, is, uh, we're told in Matthew 17, has this transfiguration moment, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. And Peter, I love old Peter, he doesn't know what to do. He's befuddled, he's saying what comes to his mind. I'll build some shelters here for you, Lord, you know? And I'm thinking, Peter, be quiet, be quiet. And then a brilliant cloud envelops them all. And out of the cloud comes a voice that says, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And then the apostle Paul, he's on a mission to destroy the church. He's on the way to Damascus. And Jesus interrupts his mission, his trip. And he appears to, to Paul, who was called Saul at that time. And he appears in a brilliant flash. And says, Paul... Or Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then over in Acts chapter 22, when, when uh, Paul's recounting this, says, my companions saw the brilliant light, but they didn't hear the voice, and I was blinded by it. And he had to go to another guy named Ananias to receive his sight back again. And what we're, we're seeing here is this, that Jesus is the light that has power to produce life change. This light that we're talking about, this label light means there's something going on here in our interaction with Christ that's more than you would surmise at a casual reading. There, there is a power here to interaction with Christ that the light is supposed to try to be capturing for us. We're supposed to try to get that. Um, Jesus brings to us this spiritual illumination that... Uh, there's supposed to be some transformative works that are taking place in our lives as we interact with him, amen? There's a power. He's the light. He changes everything. Sure, he illuminates the world so we see it as it is. We see our sinfulness. We understand some things we wouldn't formally understand. Sure, he is this ray kind of vector light that gives us direction and he shows us the way we ought to go. And when we follow hard after him, we know we step into the blessings of being in his will. But there's also this kind of hard-to-describe side this power side, this interaction side with Christ that's supposed to be so transformative and so life-changing. It's hard to get language to, but you're getting what I'm saying, amen? Of course, that's the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's part of the ministry the Spirit brings into our hearts. It's this real energy, transformative side of Christianity. So what's our action step for today? Simply this, step into the light. Walk as people of the light. 
live a life fully disclosed before Jesus, realize that much of the world that you live in is in darkness. They're what? Shielding themselves. They don't want to know. Don't be surprised by how they act. Amen? They're going to act as though they're in darkness. They're going to be without direction. And they're going to take course of action. So as you go, huh? That's not going to work, right? As a Christ follower, you know that's not going to work. When you're in darkness, you're disoriented and you're lost. You're going to go ways that don't work. Amen? It's just the way it's going to be. We walk what? In the brilliance of Christ's light. And we live according to his ways. We, we walk in the, the, the way we ought to be going. I love how in the, in the New Testament times, people who follow hard after Jesus were called people of the way. The ways of Jesus. And that's what I often pray for myself. I want to be a person known as the way person. I follow hard after the ways of Jesus Christ. But more than that, more than that, there is this power, amen, of Christ the light. 